0: Hey, it's Josiah. Before we get started with this episode, I have something very special to share with you. You know, we've delved deep into what it means to be an Enneagram Five together for the past few years, especially with our friend of the show, Sam Greenberg, or as many of you know her, the Enneagram Sexpert. And now we wanna go even deeper with you. We've worked together with Sam to craft an online workshop exclusively for type fives, to help you unlock the secrets of connection with every Enneagram type. This is not just another generic workshop, it's a deep dive into understanding and nurturing relationships tailored specifically for your unique perspective. Imagine getting practical, actionable insights on connecting with each of the nine Enneagram types all through the lens of a type five. Sam's going to guide you on how to build meaningful relationships, sharing strategies and insights specifically designed for fives. I've seen firsthand how Sam's insights can transform understanding and communication. And I'm so excited to partner with her to bring this exclusive workshop to you. Whether you're looking to deepen current relationships or navigate new ones, this workshop is a game changer for five seeking genuine connection. Spots are limited, and trust me, you don't want to miss this. So head over to Enneagram5.com connection to secure your place and begin your journey towards richer, more authentic connections. Once again, go to Enneagram5.com connection or visit the link in the description to get your ticket to the workshop today. Okay, Cody, what's one question you've always wanted to ask me about being a dad? Was it worth it?
1: know the answer, but
2: you
0: know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not to discount how difficult it is. Yeah. (laughs) The sacrifices. Uh, Especially as a five, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. So
1: when was the moment? Did you always think you were going to be a dad?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is a great story. I don't know if I've actually told you this whole story or not. I don't think so. Okay. So. I will answer that question, but of course I have to tell a story first. Right. right. So to lead up to it. So this was October 2015. And we had just gotten back from a trip with Amy's family. And it was my birthday month. So my birthday is in October. And you know how Amy is. She likes to, she's a four. So she likes to celebrate. Everything. Everything. (laughs) And make everything special. And she used to, not as much anymore because we have kids and it's a little more difficult, but she used to take birthdays and try to spread them out across the month. Okay. And so I had, I just going back to work for the first day. And so I was just kind of out of it after being on vacation for a week. And she had me come and sit down on the couch and asked me to close my eyes and said she had an early birthday present for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) So I held all my hands and she put something in my hands and it was all wrapped up. And I opened it and it was a pair of slippers or house shoes, depending on where you're from, right? So, uh, and I thought this is a really thoughtful gift because Uh I work from home, my feet get cold. Mm -hmm. And so I started feeling around the outside. I'm like, oh, micro suede and (laughs) feeling the inside and like, oh, this is a nice lining. And I I go to put my hand in, my hand can't go all the way in into the slipper. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? And so I I realized there's something in there and I reach in and I pull it out. Doesn't make any sense. And then I, I look in the other one and I reach in and pull that out. And I'm I'm sitting here staring at oh no, yeah this pair of baby slippers. <laughs> and it was in that moment like yeah it clicked yeah like you're telling me that I'm going to be a dad. And yeah. of course I'm like, are you serious? And yeah. And she gives me a hug. And when she could no longer see my face, it was in that moment for the first time that I realized beyond a shadow of a doubt that I never wanted kids.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think that the absolute worst part of being a five parent was that there was no down time. I remember feeling lost and not really knowing who I was for a very long time. The best part about being a five parent was watching my kids grow and discover and become because even now as they are adults, they are fantastic people and I know that my 5 helped me allow them to discover who they were and to become the people they are today.
0: The funny thing is, I didn't know this, but she was secretly recording this whole thing. Oh, and no. so you there's footage of oh, my man. face just like going white, white as a yeah. sheet and like <laughs> I complete, see this. complete dread in my face. We've been friends long enough. I think I've
1: earned the right to see this. <laughs> got to find it. I, yeah, I, I want to see this video just so that
0: I can be more terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so here's the thing. I It wasn't that I was... Like vehemently opposed to having kids. Right. It was just that I had never really seriously considered it before. And in that moment, I realized that it was never part of my vision for the future. When I thought about the future, it never included kids. And so I went through this really painful and long process of digging into why that was. And there was this whole awkward moment of a few months where I I knew something was up. Amy knew that, you know, something was up. and I knew that Amy knew and like, we both knew, but none of us was talking about it. Yeah. And she did a great job of giving me some space Mm. and letting me work through it. And thankfully I was in therapy at the time. So that helped a lot. (laughs) Yeah. You had somewhere to sounding board. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, So I unpacked all of that and a big portion of it was just how I grew up and, Always, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents growing up, and I always kind of felt more like a, a burden than a joy. And so it was really difficult for me to see or to think of being a parent as being anything other than a burden. And But it was also because I'm a five. Yeah. And so the, the our big thing is energy management. And looking at parenting from the outside looks batshit crazy and why would anyone do that especially for people who aren't uh, naturally as naturally emotional and empathetic and all of those things it's like it makes no sense why would anyone put themselves through that right and so i couldn't get past that i couldn't i just i it did not compute how it, it was going to be okay <laughs> yeah and so i spent a few months really struggling with that and i came through on the other side really <laughs> That process actually is what made me question everything Okay, because it started to get me to unpack my childhood and which made me like unpack everything that I grew up believing. And that's what really started that journey for me. But the, this part of it, I was able to work through in a few months. And by the time we went to the first ultrasound where I could see like his spine moving and his, and like his, the beginnings of his face and stuff like that. Like I was all in, right? And I was—I mean, like all in. Like I was Amy's birth coach, and uh, we <laughs> were going—we were going to birthing <laughs> classes, and I was like learning everything, and I probably knew uh, more about. Like her upcoming breast milk, the like <laughs> details, <laughs> then the right, yeah. Just I nerded out on all that stuff because it's really fascinating. Yeah, uh, it's really, really you fascinating. guys brought me into that on that process
1: too. So I got to learn all about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it's, yeah. I mean,
0: just the number of things that like transformations that the female body has to go through in order to just give birth is insane. And then everything after that too, like the hormones at birth that establish within just a couple of minutes, establish this lifelong bond between mother and child. And it's crazy. So yeah, that, and, and then that experience of, of being there at birth so close to it was also really life-changing, except something happened that took me a long time to get over. Okay. I was really upset about it actually for a little while. Mm-hmm. So there was, we were, we were laboring for like 13 hours. I say we, but you know, obviously Amy was doing all the hard work. I was, I was, I was there for the ride. I yeah. was there. I mean, oh, I did, man, we, it was involved because well, yeah. we, we didn't go to, we didn't go kind of the traditional route. We went more of the natural route and it was like, she had really, really bad back labor. And so it was, and like her contractions were like two or three minutes apart from the beginning. And they just grew in intensity. yeah. And so it was just, it was like 13 hours of every couple of minutes, someone like taking an ax and splitting your back at the same time, just like electrocuting your abdomen. <laughs> and so I was, we were doing these different positions to try to help. And actually we. We did different positions at, at, in the beginning mainly to actually make it worse so that we can move the process along faster yeah it sounds like it really worked. yeah it, well it it,
1: it did <laughs> i guess it could have been 23 it, hours it did. You know? yeah
0: it did because when we first got to the this is way more birth stuff than i anticipate going into for this episode but that's fine mm-hmm. uh when we first got there she was one centimeter and and we had driven we were like 45 minutes outside nashville and we had to drive all the way in at one o'clock in the morning like we're not going back so yeah we're just gonna have to be here and do it and we within i think within a few hours she had gone up to six because of all of the like intense stuff that we did in that time period but i was with her like was it like birthing yoga <laughs> like, Um, but kind of just positions oh, man i'm trying to remember like all the there are different things you can do with a birthing ball. There's like this... I don't know if it's like a Pilates ladder or something where you hold on and then you, you have this... I think they call it reboza or something. It's like this cloth. And so I would I would hold the cloth around her belly just to give it support while she just stretched and bent over. And then huh. we would like just... Yeah. Just different positions that that's like, one is her like up on one, like one knee to try to just nudge things along. Yeah. It, it was all a blur. So I don't remember a lot of the details, but yeah, the one thing that I loved about it though, as intense as it was, was that it was just this really primal experience. And I was in there with it and it was hours and hours of just being there in that moment. And as you know, for five, that's kind of hard to achieve. And I was really grateful for it because I'm like, I'm going to be here in the moment when my son is born. Mm -hmm. And what one thing that happened was we had had the GoPro. We were borrowing one from my brother and I hadn't tested it or really had a chance to figure out how it worked. And so when it was time to actually deliver, I went to turn it on and the battery was dead and I didn't have a plug for it. So then I tried to just prop up my phone. Yeah. And then one of the the like nurse or nurse assistant was kind of just had a really bad attitude. Uh. And I think she thought that I would like, I cared more about that than, mm. than helping my wife. Yeah. But I was doing it because Amy asked me to do it. Right. And she like in the middle of us starting to push, she just brings my phone to me. But I couldn't move. So I knew that I wasn't capturing. Uh, And it completely pulled me out of that moment. Right. And I was so pissed. Well, yeah. (laughs) I was so upset. And now I look back on it, it doesn't bother me at all because I've been through a couple since then. Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) But uh but it was it, it, it I hadn't really experienced anything quite like that as a five being so connected to the moment and to my body and to her body and to just the whole experience. It was, it it sounds really cheesy, but it was like, it really was like a spiritual experience. Yeah. And I'm, despite the end, I'm really grateful that I was able to go through that with her in the same way. The other two births weren't nearly as intense. And so, it was, yeah, it was it not was, in that way, I guess. Well, yeah, they have their own kind of, <laughs> yeah, they have their own.
1: I was there for the third one. It was pretty intense <laughs> <laughs> having a baby in a
0: pandemic, man, in an apartment. Oh my God. In an apartment.
1: I wish more than anything, we could have seen your neighbor's faces. Oh yeah. Cause like they knew what was happening.
0: They had they to have, have had to, unless they just weren't there. Uh, that's true. It, yeah, was it, was like, the, it was the middle of the day. It was like, but that. it was on a weekend. It was a Friday. Was
1: it, oh, it was a Friday.
0: Yeah. How was I there? You just got back from vacation? Oh, that's what it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because we waited.
1: You did. You waited until we got back. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were the only one that could help us with yeah. child care.
0: Because <laughs> um, Amy's dad, when Amy's dad got COVID, the like two days before we were due. Mm-hmm. And so her whole family had to go into lockdown. And then you guys went, you guys ended up going out of town the day before we were due. And then we went into she started having contractions that day that you went out of
1: town. We're like, oh no! No, well, no, she wasn't due until like that Tuesday, and we went out of town on Friday. I thought, and... no,
0: you went out of town on a Sunday. Yeah, I remember this very clearly. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, so Bruce got COVID on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you went out of town on Sunday, and we were planning to go to the birth center, and we, w- you went out of town, and then immediately she started having contractions, and we're like, we have to prep to have this baby here. Yeah. And so we went through all the stuff and worked with the midwife to get the, our place ready to, and, and it ended up being false labor. And then Amy's, I think Amy's body was just like, I'm holding out. And because you guys came back Thursday night, she's like, I'm holding out. And then like Friday morning we went into, we yeah. went into real labor.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, I need to put this out into the world so that everybody doesn't think I'm a shitty friend. So like, We said when you started having contractions, if we need to come back, we will absolutely come back. Just tell us and we will turn around. And so we were on in kind of like constant on call mode, ready to like, we kind of left everything packed up. Like we were ready to just immediately leave and come back. Um, I mean, it ended
0: up working out perfectly like that. That was the by far the best birth experience for everyone involved. And but leading up to that, just the anxiety of not knowing what was going to happen ha- having I a mean, baby in a pandemic. was Right.
1: Yeah. The pandemic anxiety <laughs> is very real for everyone. Um, okay. So that's interesting. So I think, so you never really had before that, before, before that moment, the, the slippers moment and having to come to grips with it, you never really thought about whether or not you wanted kids or not,
0: not in any kind of serious way. Like I would kind of th- think about, I would ask myself if I wanted kids and then I usually, I think would just end up distracting myself to like, not really answer the question. (laughs) Okay. But if I got anywhere near an answer, it was no, I didn't really want kids. Right. And the the funny thing is like, I, I can understand why I didn't want kids. And I'm like, dude, you would have been okay without kids. Yeah. I, 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 but, but I'm, I'm a completely different person and a lot of that has to do with the journey that I went on from with becoming a dad. And so, you know, that like I've grown, there's so much growth that can happen if you lean into being a parent. And, and I experienced that in a very, very real way. And so on the other side of it, yeah, I I would have been fine not having any kids. And also I'm really, really glad that I did. So,
1: so, okay. So, And I think one of the questions that any five would ask and is a question I'm going to ask is, do you think that, do you feel that you still get even remotely adequate space and time to yourself? I've had to adjust what
0: adequate means. Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I will say that Amy's been, especially as we've learned about the Enneagram and she's learned more about me. And what it means to be a five, she's been great about giving me the space when possible. Mm-hmm. And like when she can tell that I'm just getting overwhelmed, she'll just be like, hey, go sit down and, and have some coffee for an hour or something like that. Yeah. And, and, or 30 minutes and, and just, it gives me enough where I can do a reset. Right. And then I'm ready to reengage. So, but on the flip side, it, it's also a really great limiter to keep me from going too far down that path, too far on the other way of just like all alone time, isolating, like getting sure. in my own head, yeah, all of that. So it's definitely challenging. That's one of the more challenging parts of being a parent as a five is that you don't have the same time and energy to do anything, process, else. be alone, yeah, uh, all of that. It's it, especially, and I, I think it's it's really important to note that. I am still in the early stages, right? Because I have three boys under five, so four years, two years, and almost five months now, and so it's still in a very, very intense stage. I'm told it gets uh, a little less chaotic, maybe, or a little easier as they get older and more self sufficient. But yeah, right now it's still very much. There's always someone, always someone demanding attention, mm-hmm. and usually multiples of them at the same time.
3: I am not a mom, but as a five, I have completely mixed feelings about it. I've always thought about how I would be terrified of having a baby and um, them needing me all the time and me not getting enough of my rest time that I so desperately need. I definitely need my own alone recharge time. And I just imagine being completely exhausted and not being my healthiest, most fruitful self. But then I simultaneously believe I would be great at it once they got to that age where they could talk to me and communicate with me. I love teaching and I've done it before. I've taught kids of many ages and I always found that I gravitated to those older children, especially those kids that a lot of people call the difficult age. I love that age. Uh, Those middle schoolers, junior hires, and they have their own strong opinions. And oh boy, that's my favorite because I feel like they're also so curious and so teachable. And I like to ask prompting questions and just explore that with them and explore their growing their learning and watching it happening is so exciting. So I just see it as something that would be such a challenge for me, but I feel like I could also be really good at it. Uh, and I look at other fives and I just wonder how they do it. And it's so, and it's it's encouraging. I think it definitely can be done. And I know plenty of really good five parents.
1: So, okay. So that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, did you, did having a child just create such a intense euphoric and disillusioning experience for you (laughs) that you thought having a second and a third one was a good idea? (laughs) Oh, I honestly, or is it kind of like how I think about my dog, Sam
0: and how he'd be so much happier with a friend, (laughs) you know? So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the first two weren't exactly planned. Yeah. They weren't not planned, but they weren't planned. If you, yeah, if
1: I remember correctly, I, it, you removed the
0: goalie. You just weren't necessarily <laughs> trying to score. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the third one was more planned. Yeah. Um, I will say that. And we knew going into it that it was going to be our last one. And yeah. it, was, it was good to have that closure and sort of have that because it, it was always a question even before we started having kids, like we've been married, I think we were married five years when we got pregnant and it was always this sort of in the background, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And so there was always this anxiety around it to where once we did, it kind of, it alleviated a lot of that alleviated a lot of pressure for us to sort of make that decision because it was made for us kind of. Right. And so, and the same thing happened with our last where we knew this was going to be like we were done at three and we, there's just so much less pressure on, we know we're not going to have anymore and we're completely content with that. And so that helps. Now I think that I'm trying to, I'm trying to put myself back where I was when we had our second. I, I think what, what had happened there was that we, there was that question of do we want our, Kid to grow up being an only child, mm. yeah. And we both had siblings growing up, and we more than one sibling, yeah. I feel like,
1: which is, I think, that's a side question that I was just thinking about. Was do you think that also had an influence or played a part in wanting more than <laughs> two? You know, so
0: I would have actually been content with one, yeah, and and I would have been content with two, and, I, <laughs> and actually, now you're content with three. Well, I, well no, I told. I told Amy, I said, if, if our second one had been a girl, I would have just been done. Yeah. I think we were. Why is that, though? Just because I, I wanted to experience having a girl. Sure. This nothing. Oh. I
1: just, so you were rolling the dice the third yeah. time to see if you could get a girl after yeah. that. You're like, okay, really no more this time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had a feeling we were going to end up with three boys for some reason, but I wanted to, I don't know. I was just curious what it would be like and, and be able to see like what, what are the differences and, and what's the same and, and sure. um, all of that stuff. And so she ride one roller coaster.
1: <laughs> gotta see what the others are like. <laughs>
0: um, so I think that I was, I was okay so because I had so many siblings, so I had I have two brothers, two sisters, and I love them. We none of us really got along growing up. <laughs> we were all spaced out pretty far. I was gonna say like, you're
1: pretty far apart. In yeah,
0: and and I was particularly difficult to get along with <laughs> growing up. So, uh, at least as far as my siblings are concerned, I can't see that at all. Oh no, yeah. And so it was, it was, I think that, that sort of played into me not really caring to have a a big family and, and, and Amy on the other side, she has two siblings and they grew up and they were all really close. And then she, I think when she was younger, she envisioned herself having like, like 10 kids or something like that. Like it's, uh, so completely. Well, she's definitely got the amount of love to give to 10, 10 children. That's for sure. So I think that that's it wasn't it wasn't like, hey, this is our lives are so beautiful and colorful and vibrant that we just want to exponentially grow that even though there's so much joy that came from being a parent. It's incredibly challenging and and it we're there's a little bit of craziness, I think, that has to be there in order to continue going.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> there's part of you that's, that's the devil I know, at least. But each you're always rolling the dice because each kid can be so different. And you don't know how the two kids are going to get along. Like, our first two have been at odds since the day the second one was born. And they're just starting to build a, a better relationship mm. as the, the second one is, is growing up. And and being able to one fend for himself, mm-hmm. and he he's he's so funny because he's such like just a jolly happy little guy. He is, but literally the happiest little child. I've but ever met. he will throw down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how my brother was. Yeah, and so it's just because he's had to learn how to mm-hmm. defend himself. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. I think to, to answer your original question. There wasn't a lot of conscious thought going into it. It was a lot of. We don't necessarily want our first to be an only child. So we'll just kind of let it happen. And then, um, it
1: had to have been, you just said the third one was planned though. So there was there was
0: thought. Well, yeah, there were, well, <laughs> that's a whole other story, I think. But there, <laughs> there was a moment where we were down at college park and, or Renaissance park, you know, that like big concrete circle thing with the grass in the middle. Yeah. They were playing the two of them were playing and it was a really like the first time they were really like really playing together. And we were just sort of watching him. And I said to Amy, I said, "You know, I could have a third. (laughs) And she was like, really? I was like, yeah. And then I think like three months later we were pregnant. So,
1: so he's like, that was the end of that talk. She's like, okay, well no more birth control for me. (laughs) There's like no talk about
2: it.
0: Yeah. So kind of, if we can kind of go back to that, that original, so becoming a dad, there's a lot there that I'm sure you're curious about and want to unpack because there's, I feel like there's a couple of like unique challenges as a five with being a dad. Yeah. Parenting in its own is just insane. Yeah. No matter what Enneagram type you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, and each one, com- I'm sure, comes with its own unique challenges. So I can really only speak to being a five. But going back to the energy management thing, that's a constant struggle. And where the there's this internal conflict all the time of my kids want my attention. I love them. I love them more than anything. And they they want me to play with them, and they want me to teach them things, and they want me t- to to read them books and all the stuff and every time I'm presented with that option of do I say yes or do I say no there's this internal calculation of how much energy is going to be required and how much do I have and then what's the kind of reward for both parties on the outside like only on the outcome of that yeah and the if there's a, and, and then to put it like another layer on top of there's a trend where I've been tired and I haven't said, I haven't engaged as much. Then I feel guilty if I say no. And there's just there, it's such an internal struggle all the time for me when I'm below energy. Now, when I've, the times that I've felt better physically and have more energy, it's a lot easier and there isn't that struggle. But if there's, especially this year has been super stressful yeah and I've dealt with some just Mental health and physical health challenges from that, as most people have. And there, I've said no a lot more than I've said yes. And it's not like I think that I'm necessarily damaging them or they're going to love me any less. But there's one of the things that makes parenting so challenging is that if you, even if you realize it or not consciously, there's this unconscious knowing that each time they sit on your lap or you read them a book or you play catch or you pick them up and hold them. That could be the last time that they do that. Mm. And I don't necessarily mean like from a grim, Oh, they're going to die or something, but like they grow and they evolve and, and things they were interested in at one stage are not interested mm. in anymore. Yeah. And you never really know when that's going to happen. Right. And so there's this, there's this, and it's such a like conflicting set of emotions of you want to see them grow and you want to see them bec- like step into their own person. And at the same time, like you're still holding on because you've become so attached to all of the cuddles and all of the cute little things that they say as they're learning how to pronounce things and they don't understand what things mean. And you're it, it, you're pushing and pulling them back at the same time. And it's just mm. so weird. It's, it's such a vulnerable place to be. And it's easy as a five to want to disengage from that. And the times when, uh, when I am at my unhealthiest, assist, it's, 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 that's the struggle for me is like pulling away in those moments because it's hard. Yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. Okay. So I think about like you kind of sort of touched on this a minute ago but I think a lot about how when I think about parenting as someone who's not a parent I think of how every single person that exists carries with them the baggage of the character flaws and mistakes of their parents <laughs> and sure. the things that their parents pass on to them of their own insecurities and their own it's like your kids become in some ways the result of your insecurities and your weaknesses and True. your shortcomings, right? Yeah. As a five, I would imagine that you would, uh, you, it would be hard not to think through what things you're instilling in them that are, you're going to that. They're going to carry on that are your negative traits or mm-hmm. your negative things or shortcomings. Do you ever think about that? And, and if, have you thought of any, <laughs> have you, have you noticed anything along the way?
0: Yeah, so I'll answer the first, the the second question first. So the I've definitely noticed when you're a new parent, everything is scary. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what what's okay and what's not okay, and this is a constant. Like, ah, oh, don't touch that, don't go over there, you know. And yeah. and as they're exploring their boundaries, it can be really easy to set some really constricting constraints. And I've noticed that in our oldest, especially some of those anxieties have come out. I don't know if it's, and that's the thing is like, I don't know if it's like something that would have developed naturally anyway, just based on the type of person that he is, or if the whole nature versus nurture thing, it's hard to tell. Right. But on the other side of it, yeah, that's something that you think through as a parent. If I hadn't experienced the growth I've had over the last few years, it'd probably be a much bigger deal. I think that I have been able to let it go for the most part because it's just inevitable. You're there's no there's so we have such little control as individuals. We have such less c- control over the outcomes for the people we're responsible for, yeah. you know, and the best that we can do is in these early years, show them as much love and show them that we're on our, their side as we can and, and try to teach them as much as much good things as we can teach them. And then like the way I approach it, at least, is I think through like eventually they're going to grow up and be making their own decisions. How can I, through whatever this this moment is, how can I help put in the building blocks for them to be able to make better decisions growing up? And then you just kind of let them go like (laughs) over time. Like I, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about that because I've just sort of accepted that. Yes, we carry, we we carry, we can carry baggage from our families, but at a certain point, we reach a certain age or a certain point in our lives where we're still choosing to hold on to it. And then that's a choice that we continue to make as adults. And we can choose to hold on and we can choose to let go. And that. Is up to them. That's not up to me. I, there's nothing I can do to make that choice for them. Nor would I want to, because that's part of the process of like growing. And and so, right. yeah, I don't worry too much about that. I don't know if that's a five thing or if that's just like me being me. But I.
1: Well, and I, I think it's a different. I think it's a wing thing, right? Like, I, yeah, it's probably I have an, it's a wing an thing. anxious yeah. wing. So that's true. My anxiety, like gets the best of me in that way. I think that, um, yeah,
0: I am much more willing to, or much more, what's the word I have? I, well, no, I have no problem just like living in the abyss because that's the, yeah. You know? And I'm just like, no, where's the shore? You know? I accept, I accept that tension and I kind of like thrive on it.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I feel like, well, and I think that I think through, I've thought about a lot about how my parents, the way that they raised my brother and I, have a lot has a lot to do with them overcorrecting from how their parents mm-hmm. treated them sure. and so it's like the opposite thing right so like my dad's dad never gave them gifts he never did anything nice for them so my dad was very Willing to do nice things for us or give us like more lavish gifts when we were kids or whatever, which in turn made us in some ways very much spoiled little brats. Right. <laughs> um, and and that's a that's obviously a super like basic and kind of rudimentary <laughs> ex, ex, example. But but, it, you know, it does kind of it, it's always been really interesting to me. Even if you have no control over it, I would have a hard time not at least attempting to observe the things that I'm like, oh, yeah, that definitely is where I'm getting that from my parents and trying to overcorrect right now. And I have no idea what that's going to do to them, <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, and, the, and I think very rarely does any one moment really define them as a person. Sure. And so there is a. There's always a constant observing and course correcting, and like I maybe get 25% of it right. <laughs> I don't, it's just failing a lot until you start to find things that work. It's really all it is. Yeah. Because humans are, like parenting is just so complex, and there's no one right way to parent because every parent's different, every um, kid is different, every couple is different. Every set of siblings is different. Every environment is different, and then you bring in all of the like baggage from the from two sets of families, and right. it's just so complex that you'll drive yourself nuts trying to sort through all of it and, and try to control it. And so the way that I look at it is, um, I think I'm a better parent than my parents were, and I think they're a better parent than their parents were, and I think they're a better parent than their parents were, and I hope that my kids are a better parent than I am. Right. And that's if they're a better parent than I am, if they choose to be a parent. I mean, I consider that a win and then, and then their kids be better parents. I mean, it's just, if we can, it's, it's about progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. And so if we can push forward and work together to make sure that the next generation is better equipped, has better perspective, then just, you got to let go of all the rest of that stuff. Hmm. Okay. I'll accept that
1: answer.
2: (laughs) Um. (laughs) One of the hardest parts for me as an enneagram five uh, to parent was just being able to communicate uh, my son with my son so i found it harder as he was littler and more of a baby and he couldn't talk i found it more difficult to like connect with him and communicate with him and i found that as he got older and he, he learned to talk more and we could have conversations that it was it was more enjoyable and I was able to connect with him better in that sense. And one of the best parts is just being able to, if he has a question about how something works, just to, you know, unpack it and explain in detail, you know, whether he cares or not specifically about the detail, just being able to explain to him how something works and, and the questions he asks is just is one of the best parts. And um, just seeing his light bulbs go off when something makes sense. To him, is is really rewarding for me. So that's probably one of the best parts about being an Enneagram Five as a parent.
1: Okay, so I have I have a question that's gonna sound more harsh than I mean for it to. <laughs> um, shocking. Have you? Uh, <laughs> did you at any point before you were you had kids, or maybe even during? I don't know if you ever had this thought, but I've struggled a lot with, in my process of trying to decide if I'm, what's the, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like child, not child worthy. There's a, (laughs) you know, what's what's that, what's that like when when a ship is like (laughs) seaworthy? That's what I'm thinking of in that term. Um, If I um, love it, if I'm able, if I'm willing to have able and willing to have children. Part of the one of the questions that I ask myself, and I'm wondering if it ever crossed your mind, is if you think environmentally, is it irresponsible to have children?
0: You mean environmentally, as in the the state of the world? The mm. that's a different question. Okay.
1: Um, no, <laughs> just just the footprint that you leave in the environment. That's a question that legitimately people ask, and that fives ask a lot.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's mean, a
1: purely logical side, right? Sure. Like there's no emotion at all to that question, but it is a question I see asked a lot on the internet and also one that I have asked myself and that Madison and I have talked about. Like, is it even responsible? We have the world and our country is overpopulated. We're running out of resources. Like, <laughs> no, you don't think so?
0: No, not from the data that I've looked at and the, the things that I've read. I think the overpopulation is a myth. Like things are slowing down. And, in, and actually, the... The scarier thing is that that population is declining. Like right. birth, birth rates are declining. People are, are choosing not yeah, to have children yeah. more often. And and that we don't know. That's true. And, maybe that was the, the maybe that was a
1: projection. Yeah, years ago. We
0: we don't know what. It, so just there there are different ways to look at this, right? So there's like a there's an environmental aspect. There's like an economic aspect. There's mm-hmm. probably a moral aspect. Um, just looking at the economics because I've kind of been nerding out on economic stuff the last several months yeah um, we don't necessarily know what it looks like to have an economy that that's based on population decline
2: hmm.
0: our economies have been built on just a booming population and so there's a certain amount of productivity that comes with each generation getting bigger and bigger and and the population growing when you start to decline in like the workforce and I'm not <laughs> economist, so <laughs> probably uh, there are probably people listening like this dude has no idea what he's talking about. But yeah. Um, but this, the, the stuff that I've watched and read, like I, we, we don't know what that looks like. And it's a little bit scary. It can be a little bit scary um, yeah. when we don't have enough, we don't have enough people to do the jobs that we need to do. And I, so from that perspective, I don't get caught up too much in that sort of thing because I, the way that I look at having kids now, especially is that having a child is sort of your own personal hope for the world. Mm. And so I get, especially if you're cynical or pessimist, I understand the dilemma and I've had to work through some of that, but I think that having a kid is saying, I believe that there is a future and that the future can be better because if I didn't believe that, then I wouldn't put someone out to that future. Right. And yeah. at least consciously choosing that. And so here's my part that I can play in that. I can't change these big, huge problems in the world, but I can make sure that there are three people in the world that are going to make better decisions than maybe their parents made or their parents' parents made or whatever. And so I can't, like that's my way of helping to make the future better is I can try to raise my kids in a way that they make their world better. Mm.
1: Well, that answers my next question that I had, (laughs) which was uh, bringing children into a world. Does it force you to have do you have a choice but to have a positive out- and optimistic outlook on the future and where the world is going because I feel like it
0: you, you like you just said
1: you kind of default to the
0: positive side. Well, I mean, I, you always have a choice, right? right? You choose the lens that you view the world in. Mm-hmm. And it's I'll say I've definitely taken a couple steps back on my optimism this this year. When the pandemic first started, I was much more optimistic that the world that it would be an opportunity for the world to come together and as the months progressed it just seemed like the opposite was happening and it just divided the world even more but i i think that this is kind of how change works this is how progress works you take two steps forwards and one step back and there's always a pendulum swing Mm -hmm. and so i don't know what the next couple of decades are going to look like nobody does and it's easy to get really cynical about it and to be honest, most days, these days, I am really cynical about it, but I'm starting to come back, get back into that, into a more, as I personally get more into a healthy mindset, I I tend to lean more towards the optimistic uh, view. Sure. New
1: election cycles help that. (laughs) (laughs) Helps shift things around, mix things around a little bit. So do you, as a five, feel that you try to more adequately prepare for your kids, um, future, or do you feel like be- with your four wing, you also live in that, that kind of <laughs> abyss or uh, tension of just kind of trying your best
0: day to day and seeing where you're going to end up when they're 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This also kind of gets into our Myers-Briggs types, right? Cause I'm an INTP right. and you're an INTJ and yeah. I'm not much of a planner and you're definitely more of a planner. And much to my detriment, and much to my detriment I'm not a planner. <laughs> um, hopefully, we balance each other out. Yeah, I think about the future, and I, but I, I'm much more focused on the present, just because there's so many things that I can't control about the future. So I can make decisions now that hopefully will make the future better or make it a little easier. Right. But I, I don't know what that's yeah. going to be, so I don't get caught up too much in that.
1: Yeah. I'm, it's, I was curious because as five, I, it, or as generally as fives, I should say, I don't want to put us in a box, but I feel like I often make decisions based on the type of future or the type of life that I want to live when it comes to things like career paths or passions, hobbies, those kinds of things. Does that how much does having children affect that? I mean, so a you, lot. Yeah. Right. So like, do you think <laughs> about like, do you still think about what's going to make you happy or is it more about what makes them happy and what makes them have a good life and that kind of stuff? Like how much does what you want get sacrificed? Because that's a big thing for a five.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's uh what is it? our, our avarice is our, our big thing. Like we're greedy. Uh, yes, and yeah, that's a great question. So there's a balance that has to happen there because I don't think you can be a parent and not sacrifice, right? It's inherent, not a, not a good parent, a it's, parent. It's, inherent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I say like a parent who actually like is trying, right? right? Yeah. I don't think you can do that and not sacrifice anything on the flip side. There are people who use their kids as an excuse to be a martyr, right? And so that's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum that it's also not healthy for anyone involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, where I tend to land and it's not really a place, this is sort of like a dance, right? Where this has been part of my like entrepreneurial journey. Uh, There are times where I'm pushing really hard and I'm not spending much time with my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I start to feel that and I don't like it. And so I'll ease off in one place and I'll put more energy into this other place, into the into my kids or and then I can feel like there there are still like stories that will be like your family's holding you back from achieving achieving your true potential or whatever it is, which right. is which is just a story. But there is something innate in me that I I want to make an impact. I want to create, I want to do certain things. I do have Um, My own personal goals. And so then I'll swing back the other way. And this, I mean, the podcast is a great example of this, of this is something that I am choosing to sacrifice a few hours on an evening after they go to bed, where normally I would be spending time with my wife in order to, to create something that I think is going to you know, help other people or just be something that other people can connect with and get meaning from. And that's just a choice. And, but I'm also, by choosing to do this, I'm choosing to not do certain other things that are also personal goals. And it's, it just, there's an, I think what you're getting at is there is definitely an easy path to resenting being a parent. Mm Mm-hmm. There's absolutely, and there are times where I could feel myself flirting with that, but it really is about the stories that you're telling yourself in those moments, because when I step back, when I feel that and I step back and I'm realizing, no, I'm actually making a choice here. I'm choosing to say no to these things because I'm telling myself right now that in in this moment, I, I have to spend time with my kids. But a lot of times what's happening actually is that I'm scared of this thing over there. Right. <laughs> and so I'm using my kids as an excuse yeah. to stay in my comfort zone. And so it's just this constant just trying to evaluate where I am and the choices that I'm making and the stories that I'm telling myself and make better choices and choose better stories. And it's not, there's no, there's no perfect balance. There's just like a dance between the things. Okay. Sounds like a constant war. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds exhausting. Yeah. So that is, and it isn't. And this is the thing that I wish I had known. I don't know. I don't know if I say I wish I had known because it was fun discovering it. Right. The thing that we haven't really talked about is answering the question of like, why Mm -hmm. would anyone do this? Yeah. And there's something about, and I can only speak to my experience as a dad, but there's something about having that relationship with my kids that it, I'm not going to say that it negates the whole energy thing, but it just makes it not really important. One one thing that I, so going back to the newborn phase, because I think mm-hmm. this is a, this is a great, this is a great example of the challenges of a five. I think that's probably, it's probably the hardest Phase. I, I I don't know. I would say, I don't know if, if it's the hardest phase for everyone, but I, I think it's the hardest phase for a five because it requires so much and mm. you really don't get anything out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. Like yeah. I'm probably more than average uh, connected with my newborn quickly. And, but even that it's like, they don't do anything. Mm. They don't even acknowledge that you're there. Like they can't, like they don't, you know, right they don't even have a sense of self at that stage right. and like no self-aware. And so you're literally just like giving up sleep and giving up time and giving up energy and changing poopy diapers and trying to figure out why they're crying and bouncing them on an exercise ball for like two hours to, because they have gas and yeah. all of this stuff. And there's, there's really like you're not getting anything out of that in that moment. Right. And it, can be exhausting. And it definitely is exhausting for other reasons later on like for example constantly having to explain things like yeah. <laughs> using my words to explain why something is the way that it is like over and over and over again. I will say most of my kids vocabulary comes from Amy not from me because right. it's just obvious like constantly talking to them. Right. But in the newborn phase You're not getting anything back. And so it's hard, like that logical part of you is like, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing this? What I experienced was, so I knew that for myself, if I didn't lean into that and build the habits, the good habits early on, then I was going to really struggle with disengaging as time went on. And so like I was the first to change the diapers And especially in those early days, like I was changing every diaper that I could and Mm -hmm. I was taking every opportunity, even though I was exhausted. I'm like, I just, I tried to make it a habit where it's like, okay, they're crying. I'm gonna pick them up. I'm going to figure this out. And I was, I was doing all the research and I was trying to you know, do all the things. And I was leaning into that in a way that was not natural to me, but I was working against what I knew would, I was trying to set up healthy habits for myself in doing that. Now, what I stumbled upon in that was I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but what I was doing there was I was laying this foundation of by showing this creature love Mm. and not getting anything in return, I will say I didn't really know what love was till I had kids. And when you put in all of that work and you do all of that, when they do start those little things, like all the tiny little things. Become so much bigger and so right. much more rewarding, and that's why you, you'll you if you're not a parent and you're interacting with a parent and they're like making a big deal out of the, the dumbest little things. That's why, yeah, because they've invested so much in, and they're like, look, my kid pooped on their own in the right. in the potty, like you know, and
1: yeah, people don't <laughs> see the hours every yeah, night. Yeah, you, you don't you yeah. don't get it,
0: but in doing that, like you're investing yourself into this, and there's there the irony is in it is there's such a joy that comes with that. Like even before our oldest was old enough to interact with me, I found myself after like a month or two of doing this. And I was, I just, I, I was getting joy from it by taking care of this person that can't take care of themselves and can't give me anything back. And I just, I, what I was doing is I was falling in love with my kids mm-hmm. and that. Was has been the biggest surprise to me, I think, of being a parent where I, even in those hard times, I can still, that are draining, I can still get replenished in certain ways that make it like, it's weird. There were times where in the newborn phase where I'm like, I have not gotten any sleep. This kid has been crying for hours. Our first was, had some really bad colic. And so it was just like, it, it was rough. And, and so I'm like, I haven't gotten any rest. And I'm like, objectively I can look at the situation like this sucks. Like I can look at it and say like, this just sucks, but I don't feel it. Uh It's like, I, yeah, it's, I can acknowledge like, yeah, this sucks. But like, I mean, I'm here and, I love this person. Like I just, and it's just, it's okay. It's okay that it sucks. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not, it, so it's not like just sort of pretending like it doesn't suck, but it's just like it being okay that it sucks in the moment because by sucking it, it kind of like doesn't suck. I and mean, it's it's so weird. I don't, it's, it's the best I can explain it. <laughs> I would interpret that as like, I feel like,
1: I don't know if this is necessarily a five thing, but I feel like it might be that I feel like fives because of their ability to separate themselves from the moment, sometimes in a good way, Mm -hmm. in in a positive way or a healthy way we tend to analyze or assess situations and keep our cool and also know that this moment won't last forever and can move through those moments in a more balanced and kind of keeping our cool kind of situation, right? So I feel like in some ways, in, in the healthiest context of taking yourself out of the moment living in your head, you also get to kind of narrate that moment in your head and tell a positive story mm-hmm. and say, this is something that I'm living that I'm going to remember later and I'm going to appreciate it, even though it sucks right now. It doesn't actually suck. And when I look back on this, it's not going to suck in my mind. And I know that. So therefore, this this moment has meaning. I think that's what you're trying to say.
0: Yeah. And there are things that, that suck and that I don't want them to change. Yeah. So like a great example of this is right now I sleep alone in in our bed because Amy is with the three kids and it is not a great situation and we, we're making progress towards changing that Mm. but every morning my two oldest come in and they've created this ritual where (laughs) they flip on the lights all the lights make sure they're shining in my face as much as possible Mm -hmm. and then get in bed and put their cold hands and feet on me (laughs) to try to wake (laughs) me up and i'm like this is awful yeah and the other day, Amy told them like, okay, you guys can't do this to him anymore because this is like, this is terrible and the, your way, this is not a good way to wake up and they didn't come in the last couple of days. I'm like,
2: oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> because even though it's like super annoying, it's also, let's be real, it's also kind of funny and they get such yeah. a kick out of it and they get a kick out of like my overreaction to it. Sure. And um, I don't necessarily enjoy waking up that way, but I also like, kind of love it it's just it's so weird man it's terrible in the moment but then at the same time like
1: it's so meaningful because again they won't always want to do that they won't always want your attention first thing in the morning so i get that that makes sense
3: i think the best thing about being a five parent is how easy it is to be unconventional and a shoe traditional parenting wisdom and the advice you get from other people and just go with what feels right, what makes sense and what works for your kids and not just be drawn in by what other people are doing. Um, The worst thing about being a five-parent is how babies and young kids can experience our tendency as fives to be in our heads as abandonment. Because kids are so in their bodies that when we kind of float away into our heads, it it feels like we're not present. So as much as I worked on that as a five-parent, I think that my kids still feel that abandonment at times.
1: Okay, so let's. I'm gonna wrap this thing up. So I'm gonna okay. give you a threefold question. Oh boy! What would be your advice to? I'm. I'm not gonna ask you ask of you to answer the question of someone who's in your place now because that's not fair. But okay. So, what would you say to somebody who is one considering having kids? Okay. Well, and weighing those pros and cons, and two. Cause I've basically been asking you questions to try to talk people out of having kids. So <laughs> sure. you're now it's your chance to really like, uh, take it home. Oh. Right. You want uh, me to sell them on having kids? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's not happening. what would you say? I don't know. I don't know. You've settled. You've had a lot of advice that kind of popped up throughout this. Cause you okay. can't, cause you can't help yourself. So what would you say to people who are about to, or considering having kids? What are you, what would you say to people who are about to have children? Mm hmm. And then what would you say to people who are new parents that are have recently had children and are in that I'm terrified out of my mind, what have I done stage? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you can start with part A of the question. I'll do that in reverse. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so to the new... Are, are we are we talking specifically to fives, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to the... This is the, the Enneagram Five podcast. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, uh, so to the new five parent... Out there, my advice is: it will get better. Just hold on. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy right now. It's nothing really makes sense. You're sleep deprived. You, your life has been turned upside down. I think one one of the biggest challenges in this first phase is it's like half the baby and half you grieving your previous life. And trying to adjust to a completely new reality, and I think most people overlook that because that's a process, and it's a necessary process you have to go through so I would say, hang on, stay in the moment, and lean into the crappy parts because you're gonna look back, and those in those early days are the are the moments that you cherish the most. I don't really i I remember the first time our our oldest walked. And the first time he laughed and things like that. But there are many, many more moments that were the hard moments that I remember more and I cherished those just as much. Hmm. And so do your best not to disengage and try to stay there with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The was it the, the other two groups were people who are about to be parents and people who haven't yeah. decided. Okay. People who are about to be parents. Fives who are, uh, you've you've gotten the news, the hammer's dropped. You got those baby slippers. (laughs) You got those baby slippers. I think I would say that try not to think about what's going to happen after the birth Mm. or even during the birth at this point. And there's a lot you got to prepare for. And there's a lot, there, there are things you need to know. I'll say that in my experience, it's mostly just instincts that kicked in. You know, and, and so all that knowledge was helpful because it helped inform those instincts. Um, but you're not going to remember like 99% of the stuff that you researched beforehand. You're just going to be in the moment. And and when all that stuff's happening, I feel like that's a highlighting. If that was on paper, that's a highlight. <laughs>
1: like you should be using your highlighter for those that line right there.
0: Uh, so, so what instead you should focus on is where you are right now in with your relationship with your significant other and making the most of the time you have, because this is going to be the last time it's just going to be the two of you. Right. And so, and it's, so it's something to celebrate and there's a little grief that happens and maybe a lot of grief and just sit with that because that process is necessary to prepare you for everything that comes after. And, and it's, a, it's something to be grateful for because I look back at that time and it was one of the most transformative periods in my life because it caused me to take a step back and reset and reevaluate everything. And that sent me on a completely different trajectory for my entire life. And that wouldn't have happened if I uh, just went into planning mode. Like if I just went into, okay, well, we're having a baby, so I've got to prepare for everything and I've got, you know, I'm going to think about all the stuff. And instead I said, Hey, I need to just like stop and like figure out how I feel about this, right? (laughs) like work through why I feel the way that I feel about it. And especially if you're, or if you just found out at nine, it's actually like 10 months, but normally by the time people find out it's like eight or nine months, like that's a long time. It's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of runway there to start to figure, not, maybe not as much as you would think, but it, there's a lot of runway there to figure it out. And so, and you will. Okay. So the five out there who doesn't know if they want kids or not, it's okay if you do and it's okay if you don't. That's the way that I look at it. So, especially if you've decided that you don't want to have kids, I completely understand that decision. Yeah. <laughs> like I do. As much, uh, like I said, my life is fuller and just you know, I would never trade them for anything. And at the same time, I understand why people don't don't make that choice. Uh, and, and that's okay. But if you're on the fence, if you're trying to decide, I, I would I would guess that really what you're struggling with is the fear associated with how your life would change mm. if it happened. And so name that fear, call it out, and work through that. Only you can make this decision. And at the end of the day, it's going to be okay either way. And like I said, I didn't want kids and I ended up with kids and it was, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I think, but if I hadn't had kids, I'd, I can't say what my life would be like. I'd, it would definitely be different, but I could have found another path to to get to where I am maybe. There's something that there's a, a quote that I heard. I don't know where it came from, but it's something like people without kids are happier, and people with kids are more content.
1: Mm, yeah, I've seen that before.
0: And so I guess it just really comes down to what do you like? What's more important to you? What what do you care about? And there's no wrong answer. It's just you got to make that decision and then be okay with the decision that you make.
1: Well, and a question we haven't answered yet with an entire podcast episode <laughs> is can fives ever truly be happy. So I think maybe you should put all your eggs in the content basket. <laughs> um, I will say as someone who, uh, doesn't have kids and has, um, yeah, let's
0: get your thoughts on all this. I've been talking the entire time. I know yeah. that was
1: kind of the point, but right. Yeah. So we wanted to interview he... someone with parents, but I've been collecting my thoughts this okay. entire podcast. So, my take on it is that, and this is coming from somebody like I have vehemently, like just very passionately not wanted kids for most of my <laughs> life. And, you know, and a lot of that comes from a lot of things. I think my parents, I saw how much they made my brother and I their entire world. And I was like, I never want to do that, <laughs> you know, with anything or anyone. I always want to be able to pursue the things that I want to do. And I think, I th- I don't know, I, I feel like, something that I did not expect. There's a couple of different factors I think that can change your mind, um, about having kids in general. And I think one of the, or a couple of those things are just time. (laughs) So I would say that if you're in a place where you feel like you don't want kids, then maybe it's just not the right, like if you're very passionate, like I definitely don't want kids. I think that maybe, and it's totally fine if you, don't ever want kids I feel that completely and I understand that feeling but I also would say I would say that the caveat there is is maybe right now is the accurate term and maybe right now is always the answer (laughs) and maybe things will change and you get into a place that you weren't expecting where you're like oh you know actually maybe I do want kids and I think that that changes a lot of factors change that depending on I was never with another person that I ever wanted to have kids with until now. So mm. that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I never was, I was married before and I knew 100,000% I did not want to have kids with that person. Right. So being, I was very consistently with people who were not even remotely maternal. And so, and, or that great at loving people, including me. So I was like, why would I want to have kids with this person? Um, So part of it was a security factor, I think. I don't think I was ever in a place where I was, I felt safe enough to explore the idea of having kids with somebody because that's a really big step, you know, Yeah. just like marriage is a lawful step towards connecting yourself with another person. So is having kids, you're eternally connected to that person for the rest of your life, whether you physically stay with them or not. And so I think that's, again, with my six wing, that was a, that's a big thing. That's a big risk. And so I think that's always been a big thing for me, and I think that that's that's very much influenced how I feel about having kids. And I didn't realize that until I was with somebody that I felt safe enough to actually ask the question in an honest way, do I want to have kids? In the same way that I was like, do I want to get married again? That's also a question that I would just – I'd never felt okay with. I felt pressured into getting married before, I think mostly because of my religious background, which is, again Mm – more for another episode that you're terrified of having, but I think it'll be a really good episode. I'm not, I'm not terrified. I just <laughs> don't want to do
0: it.
1: <laughs> Name that fear. just saying. Um, So I think that a lot of that has to do with, I don't know if I ever really wanted to get married before, and I'm only just now coming around to the idea of it again, because I actually am with somebody that I already know. I don't want to be with anybody else. I want to be with only this person. So why not get the tax breaks, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, children are all Pragmatism really at, at its best. Right. And you know, <laughs> children, you get tax breaks with children too, so um, no. But I think that a lot of factors, a lot of context is everything and I think that where I am now, there's a lot of things that play into that. Seeing being so close to you and your children have also softened my heart, which I feel like is to some degree, always your long-term plan. You're like, Hey kids, go see uncle Cody. Um, (laughs) make sure you're all, you know, show, (laughs) play all your best cards, kids. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. I want to dress
0: you in adorable outfits first. (laughs) See if you can get a tear today.
1: (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, and just getting older, I I don't know. There's something about too. If you don't, and this is also getting into other episodes. I feel like this episode now needs to come after the religion episode, but (laughs) if you don't believe in anything happens after death and you don't believe in God, you don't believe in whatever, if you are a five that says what's in front of me is the most real thing that I have, then children are the most real way to live on after you die. And the most, the biggest legacy that you have, right? Like that's, if we're remembered, if the way we live on after we die is by those who love us and remember us, then Mm. You're creating more of people who will hopefully love and remember you in a way that it lives on after you die. And that's a really weird way to think about it, but it has crossed my mind.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, there is a whole biological component to all of this of there's an <laughs> there is like the naturalist approach of I only love my kids because of like a biochemical response. Uh, it's part of me and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, not, it's not
1: untrue. It's not completely untrue. No, I
0: mean, like, yeah, I get that. I think, especially with the four wing, that, that was never enough of for me. Sure. Because it, it doesn't really communicate the whole experience. No. And, and it's not
1: enough of a reason to do all of the things and go through all the things that you have to go through to have kids. Yeah. So I don't think that el- Saying you want to like continue on with your like DNA and your bloodline <laughs> and let, make sure that that survives is a good enough reason to be like, by the way, you're going to sacrifice the entire life that you thought you were going to have, you know, like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, that's not a good argument.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm glad that you brought that back up because I did want to say one more thing about that piece mm-hmm. in that there's definitely sacrifice, but there's something, there's something that you don't get when it's just you or just you and a significant other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be more challenging to go on vacations and travel because there's or afford them. Yeah, or afford them or just the logistics and especially when they're young. We haven't really gone on vacation because of uh you know, because of many reasons, but that being one of them. But there's also this whole other experience of living like watching your kids experience certain things for the first time. It's like being able to relive them. And there's something so magical about that. And so it can make all of these other experiences that you're planning to have like that much more beautiful. And if you can let go of the picture that you have, which is something that I've had to constantly do over and over again of my own expectations and let things be what they are. Man, like we've had just some amazing experiences by letting our kids be kids and being there with them and watching them take all this stuff in and react. And it's kind of get to live through different. them in that yeah. way too, And right? so it's Your not, the, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the same. You are sacrificing what you, it's not the same. You are sacrificing what you, what you wanted, what you planned maybe, but it's also, different and it can be a really good different and it, it can be better it might not be better all the time but it can be it can definitely be even better than what you had imagined and so that's why I, going back to the, like either way it's okay
1: <laughs> right yeah you're just telling it it's, both stories are great you're just telling a different story
3: i think the best part about being a five and a parent is that children are so curious. They love information just as much as I do. And they're continually asking questions about the world. I never got tired of them asking me why, that why toddler stage, because I love that question. I love answering that question. I love sharing the knowledge with them and sharing the why with them. And so watching them learn and watching them want to learn. And now that mine are a little bit older in their early teens, they're teaching me information and it's the best, it's my absolute favorite.
1: (laughs) It's a challenge no matter what you do and trying to come up with that that bottom line is going to be something that never really happens. I think that's something that I've, I've gotten used to the idea of I'm never going to be a hundred percent on board with having kids. I no, you're never going to be a hundred percent on board with not having kids. Well, I mean, Mm. maybe you will, but I don't know. I don't, I've never met a person who was like, yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent not having kids and I've never thought about it. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, I've met
0: some people like that and I, who've just never thought about having kids. Well, who just, it's just never, been Never something they've ever minds. wanted to do. Sure, yeah, not not yeah. having that parental. And I aspect. think I think that there like there are people that don't want to be parents, and there are people that shouldn't be parents. And um, I don't, and I think that if you're one of those people, like you know who you are, right? And you're not listening to this episode. Well, probably. yeah, well, I'm mean, probably <laughs> not. Yeah,
1: this is for uh, the people who are contemplating and wrestling
0: <laughs> with that thought. Yeah, if They'll... I th- and so I would venture to say, like, if you're if you are wrestling, if you are on the fence, then it's something that is a possibility for you and that you've just, it, you're never going to do like a pro cons list and come out on the side of having kids. You're just not going to do it because you don't know what it's like until you experience it and nothing can prepare you for that experience. Yeah, And so you've just got to, you've got to uh, make the decision of is the risk something that is worth me taking and finding out um, am i going to be okay with the not knowing and only you can make that decision
1: yeah all right this is a good place to stop (laughs) okay i
0: think we've said all we can say about it do you feel like that i mean i can always say more but i think it's a great place to stop yeah all right let's do it cool
1: Hey, it's Cody, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com.